Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho? What is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head. 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life, mm -hmm. and you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are, some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, back bigger and better than ever, Thomas Donlan. Hey, I'm back, man. <laughs> you uh, are. Nice to have you, you back. You guys would not want me here last week. You're I sounded right. horrible. Yeah? Yep, trying to get over that cold. That doggone head cold's going around, man. It's hitting yeah. everybody and uh, knocking you down. It sticks with you for a few weeks, too, so. Yeah, you know. well, I think it turned, for me, it turned into a sinus infection. Perfect. So, yeah, if he you hear me cough or hack, I'll try to keep it to a minimum. <laughs> yep, yep, well, that's, yeah. the, uh, that's the MO for the evening. We'll get through it. want to welcome everybody to the show. Glad you could join us. Yes, in fact, we are live here from the Fish and Northwest Studios located where, Tommy? Summit Lake, my friend. And we are already getting comments on your I beautiful see vest. That. I know. I, saw, yeah. I put it on because I knew Andy <laughs> might tune in tonight. The very first comment, no freaking way. A vest. And the vest is back. Yes. So, yeah, it's just for you, buddy. So, hey, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, glad to have you all joining us. We have a lot of great content to get through. Tommy, it has been a busy week for us. It has, yep. Already, um, yeah, you, you were busy with a, mm -hmm. a derby. Uh -huh. I was busy uh, catching some halibut. Right. And, then, and then we both hit the shrimp. Grounds yep. and, and I had yeah. made a quick run over to the east side and back and time uh, home and time for shrimping yeah. and we're bringing all that to you tonight. We have a lot of recapping to do, a lot of catch up to do. We got some guests lined up and uh, some east side fisheries to discuss and some ocean fisheries to discuss and uh, there is no. Um, no shortage of content to cover tonight, buddy. So that's for sure. You're busier now that you're retired. It's amazing. Yeah, that's you know that everybody warned me of that as well. Yeah, that's how it was yeah. going to be. And yeah. I said, all right, bring it on because uh, this uh, this train's moving, and man, uh, things keep going the way they are. We're gonna have some exciting news to be sharing here in about a month or so. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, can't I'm excited. Wait. So uh, with that, hey, want to welcome everybody to the show. And uh, yes, please take a few minutes. Go ahead and take our live feed here and share that out invite your friends to the show tonight so they too can be educated and entertained and uh you know gain what it is we have to bring also if you would please swing by stop by our website www.fishhuntnw.com you'll find a lot of great blogs bits of information there links to all our social media platforms and our videos and of course uh plenty of good reads there on our blogs and our online merchandise store shing does a fantastic job uh, keeping that up to date, and there's lots of good swag and items for you to purchase there. Sold a handful of items at that derby, by the way. 
Oh, right on. Yeah. 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 Oh, the kid shirts were awesome. How'd you like those? Yeah, that was sweet. Those were a huge hit. I think a lot of those kids wanted the uh, the FHN t-shirt over anything else. Uh-huh. And, you know, Andy, uh, their Blake's boss at RT Prince, did a phenomenal job coming up with that graphic on the back. People absolutely love it. Summit Lake, Trout Derby, Annual. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. But we'll get into all that here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so the swag is uh, stuffed in the store, and we have a lot of stuff to get rid of. So please, take some time. Stop by the online store there on our webpage. And while you're there, go ahead and click on the uh, FHN20 coupon that is front and center on our webpage. Takes you right to the Edge Rods webpage where you can do a little shopping. Need a fishing rod, Tommy? You're going to get 20% off. And I'll say every rod Mm -hmm. all the time, with the exception of any rods that currently already have some type of promo code or sale applied to them. So other than that, you're going to save 20% off every rod you purchase via the FHN20 coupon ad checkout. And with that, uh, you had mentioned it, my friend, the second annual FHN Summit Lake Community Kids Trout Derby. Huge success. Man, how, so how many kids did you guys have? About 110 kids. That's awesome. 110 That's kids. We put uh, new tackle and, and you know rods and reels, stuffed tackle boxes, buckets yeah. of gear. Shing went all out with the grab bags and the gear. Adult grab bags for adult raffle. By the way, adults, parents, persons who attended, we can't thank you enough. Those adult raffle items, Tommy, including the older tackle boxes that we put a bunch of new gear in as well, mm-hmm. we sold $1,100 worth of $5 adult raffle tickets. Wow. That money goes oh, towards the Derby next year. Yeah, right? So that helps us continue to be able to purchase the T-shirts that folks are seeing right now. We want to give every participating kid a T-shirt to uh, remember the experience and and you know, wear it around school proudly and show other kids what you're off doing on the weekends. Like, yeah. no, I'm not playing video games, man. I'm out fishing on the lake. Yeah, those, those sponsors really came through on those buckets and all the the prizes you guys gave away. Yep, yep, yeah, tons of yep, tons of tackle, lots of giveaways, lots of attendance. Big hit. We'll definitely be doing it next year. It'll be the third annual. It's going to be bigger and better. I think we'll have more participation. WDFW, credit to them. They stocked the lake the week previous with 10,000 additional trout. Um, a good complement of jumbos. I was uh, uh, able to grab a couple of those <laughs> a <laughs> few days prior to the derby. The one off the dock I released, but that big fatty triploid that I got, oh boy. Going down for a hell of it. Yeah, uh, no, no, that thing oh, that darn. thing cooked up amazingly. <laughs> it was ever bit as equal to any triploid we get on the east side. Yeah? It had so much fat marbling in it, I put it on the Traeger, it was unbelievable. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. So, WDFW, if you're paying attention, I would advocate for three to five or six pound triploids planted in a number of our western Washington yeah. lakes. Like, let's experiment with Summit Lake. I don't know, give me 2,500, 3,000 of those big right. fatty triploids. Mm-hmm. They're sterile. We don't have any issues with, um, with uh, you know, spawning or anything like that. They're just going to be out there eating and getting fat. And uh, what an enjoyment to go catch those. Yeah, and can you, can you deliver them right before the kids' derby? It'd be fantastic. Yeah. Or just... You know, sprinkle them in throughout the year. That that works, too. Sure. I mean, if you live here, you might as well fish for them. But those triploids are phenomenal. And uh, I would like to see more of those in some of our west side lakes so we don't always have to go to the east side to get those big fatties because right. they are fantastic. Good table fare. And, you know, to be honest, like, we're, we're up against it, as we discussed time and time again, in our steelhead fisheries and some mm-hmm. of our other anadromous fisheries, that we have these closures. We have lack of mm-hmm. opportunity uh, on some of these seasons, they could certainly offset a lot of that. Continue to see fishing license sales go up. Right. If you would, right. you know, provide persons the opportunity to go after some of these big fatty triploids in a number of these bigger lakes, they got the boats. 
They got the downriggers. They got the gear. They want to mm -hmm. go fishing. It's like give them the opportunity. So I'm going to keep beating that drum and uh, may call up a few of these program managers and see if we can't have those discussions and see where they go because – I had a uh, I had a state uh, representative tell me, you know, it's not necessarily always a budget issue. It's the one that makes the most noise about where that money needs sure, to go. Sure, right, and right. So if we get a group that's uh, compelled to see this through, and we can get uh, the ear of some of our some of our local representatives and, and congresspersons, yeah. maybe we can uh, maybe we can get this. Maybe we can get some funding. Maybe we can make this start happening here on the west side. I think it's a great win for everybody. So that would be um, awesome. Yeah. Other than that, uh, other things going on. Boy, Tommy, the Spring Chinook just keep on coming. Yeah, more opportunity and more opportunity. It's just uh, every week we keep getting these emails and announcements. We have more Spring Chinook opportunity. The Cascade River will open for Hatchery Spring Chinook. It opens June 1st, so we're going to have an opportunity here in the Cascade June 1st through the 15th. Now, it's only a two-week window, but you get two adult, retention of two adult uh, Spring Chinook. And the numbers appear to be... Pretty uh, ample. I mean, there's going to be good opportunity to go to the Cascade and get yourself a couple right. spring Chinook. And it's not like it's going to be, um, you know, it's, they're opening it up with a two-week window and it's going to be a struggle. Sounds like there's plenty of fish around. And you might as well, if you're in that region, go give it a go. Some uh, some bait, some jig twitching, and go see if you can't get a couple, couple of them uh, nice Chinook. And that's not the only opportunity either. So aside from the Cascade River... Um, we've also got the Upper Skagit that's also opening for Hatchery Spring Schnook. Upper Skagit. Um, Upper Skagit, yep. And that's also a two-week window, June 1st through July 5th. Or excuse me, that's that's a, a month and a couple weeks. Yeah, six weeks. Um, yeah, June 1st through July 15th. Um, and that is four hatchery, two adults, uh, minimum size 12 inches, release everything else. Night rural uh, closure is in effect. And obviously the anti-snagging rule, which yep. is, isn't that pretty much almost always in effect. I mean, I'm not a river guy, but I figured that would just be like your status quo. <laughs> the fact that they have to put in an anti-snagging rule, yeah, you know, um, just for to, people to come 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 comply with, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting about that anti-snagging rule, if you read it, and if where it's uh, where it is actually written into the regs, because in some, to answer your question, in some it's not listed. Mm. You'll have regulations where it says single point barbless hooks, but if the anti-snagging rule is in that verbiage, you'll see single point barbless hook. It's kind of ah. it's kind of conflicting. You have to really read through the lines. I've had this discussion with multiple um, enforcement guys and gals. They uh, will show you that nope. If it and typically you don't see them run concurrent. You'll have anti-snagging rule, and if you dig down deep, it's going to probably it should say anti-snagging and uh, single-point barbless hook. I bring that to your attention because a lot of times when we're fishing bait under a bobber, um, to be able to run that dual hook rig with that exposed right. stinger hook is yeah. uh, paramount in your hook-up-to-land ratio. It goes up exponentially. Yeah, right. So we like to see that. So you have to be crystal clear on that. So I can tie those dual rigs, and as I've shown you guys before, like if we go fishing a squally, for example, anti-snagging rule is in effect, and I've had that discussion with uh, enforcement folks on the bank that's why you tie that dual hook, clip the bottom hook off of the top and leave the shank so you got the uh, egg loop. But you're baiting the egg loop, but the it. top shank have an exposed trailer hook. That's sure. your main hook. Sure. So that and, is and legal. then is there also like a leader length restriction as well? No. 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 Just the hook. Typically okay. what you'll see, and that's where it comes into play your midpoint weight that we have on our leader to get our eggs down, mm -hmm. has to be a minimum of twelve inches from your hook. Ah. That is part of the anti snagging rule. Got it. It'll yep. list in there your weight proximity sure. to your hook. So Yep, that makes yeah. sense. And uh no weight below the hook. 
yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that kind of coincides with the <laughs> yeah. anti-snagging, right, right? right? So that's how that works. Um, anyway, speaking of which, uh, we do have uh, additional options as well. North Fork Nooksack up there. My buddy Mark lives up in that uh, up in that region. 28th, May 20th. So this Saturday through June 12th, you're going to get two weeks on the North Fork of the Nooksack to go after some hatchery Chinook. Yes, daily four limit. Of course, a couple of those are jacks, but two uh, hatchery Chinook adult limit. Um, great opportunity. I mean, this, yeah, I believe great. they're now at a point where the uh, the run forecast came in. I'm guessing now, I didn't see the update this week, but we're 80 to 100,000 under projection on that initial forecast, which was 122,900, just yeah. shy of 123,000. So we exceeded that last week, 181, 182,000. I think we are, I think we are uh, closer to 200 at this point, but I'll have to go back and get an update. So, um, yes, hey, thanks everybody for weighing in. Great job on the derby, the derby. Yes, those kid shirts did rock. Eric and uh, can't thank Andy and Blake and the, the gang there at RT Prints. They do a fantastic job. They print all our stuff. And um, mm-hmm. the kids really, again, Tommy, they absolutely love those shirts. Just the blue and the green color contrast is just phenomenal. And they have all those little minions running around with the RFHN logo on. <laughs> I made you proud, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Haven't right never on. seen so much FHN wear in a single area. It was Beautiful. fantastic. So, all right, buddy, running down the show. Uh, we had mentioned it at the opener here. We've had a bit of a busy week. Last week, while we were busy doing the uh, derby, you had an opportunity to get out on the ocean with yeah. our buddy Jason Takayoshi. Blue water sports fishing, halibut and lingcod, and it was pretty good, but you're going to let us know the details on that and how this season is or is not going. Then we're going to uh, check in with a good buddy of ours on the east side who was actually here in studio in the lack of your presence, um, Bill Herzog. You know what, folks? He's put down, believe it or not, he's put down the fly rod and the spoon rod. He's picked up the uh, the bobber and egg rod. That's right. Bill's fishing guts under a bobber, as he likes to express. Uh, the Yakima, Tommy, is also open, and the area he is fishing is um, is just open this past week. He's got some great opportunity, though it is a bit of a tricky river to fish. Bill's going to give us all the details. And then, of course, um, later on the show, we're going to talk about what else we, the FHN crew, has been up to this week. Peter Sound shrimping was fantastic, and, of course, made that run over to the east side fished a little bit on Lake Roosevelt there with the planer board. It's going to break that down for people so they understand the benefits of. And then we'll close out the show. we got a couple things going on that caught my attention there, buddy. Um, WDFW Fish and Wildlife Commission is going to look at the possibility of approving more mountain lion tags. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, um, increasing the opportunity on, on cougars, right? So there's that. And then, of course, we had the uh, late decision by a judge we do, in fact, have steelhead summer summer on steelhead smolt release in the in the North Umpqua, yeah. which I think surprised a lot of phenomenal. people. Yep. And that is um, that kind of goes in um, in the same discussion as the direction the commission the commission's going versus, steering, versus the data. And now, yeah. yes, and then we have a judge that all of a sudden steps in, which yep. to me is pretty exciting news. Yeah. So great stuff to look forward to in that discussion as we close out the show. Don't go anywhere, anybody. We got a couple minute break to get through, but when we come back, Tommy Donlin, front and center stage here. Gonna break down this ocean fishery, buddy, and tell us all about what's going on out there, what the weather is doing, mm-hmm. and uh, if we can look forward to actually opportunity to go get some of these oversized link cod and, of course, halibut. Mm-hmm. Don't go anywhere. A couple minute break. We'll be back right here. Fish on Northwest. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. 
Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back in studio here, Fish on Northwest. And Tommy, we are in halibut season, to say the least. We, and Lincoln. We, we are. But it really doesn't feel like it, though. I got to tell you, I mean, just the weather alone, even if you're not even yeah. heading out to the ocean, the weather is problematic. Yesterday, our shrimp outing. I know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 17-knot winds projected. It was going to be a little blowy yep, out there. Yep, there was white caps out there for sure. If we were fishing yesterday in Area 10 versus shrimping, I, we wouldn't have been fishing. Right. It's like, no, right. we wouldn't have been fishing. But it's uh, for our window of the shrimp, so we're shrimping. Yeah. Much like our halibut days, okay, mm -hmm. it's like we have these days on the calendar, and the weather has been problematic for more of them than not this right. far. Right, so, the, I mean, the first four halibut openers for really both, you know, the whole coast. Yeah. I mean, and you could argue, well, you know, in Nia Bay, you're able to fish the strait, and that that's probably the case. But, I mean, by and far, um, those first four openers were no-goes because of the weather. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was blowing. There was a huge swell. Um, small craft advisory on one of the openers, there was a gale warning. Yeah. I mean, it's just been completely nautical. It's been cooler. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you referred to it as Maybvember. Yes. We've had so much rain. And it's cold, been cold temperatures. And we've just had, we've just been getting blown. And so really, you know, the first time um, that we were able to get out was this last weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I went out of, uh, it was kind of interesting. So, you know, we kind of did a uh, kind of a friend's mission out of Westport where, launched out of Westport and went up and hit area three yeah. uh, for the opener up there. And, um, you know, went a good 90, 90 nautical oh. um, to get to our spot up there. But, you know, we went with Jason Takayoshi, right? Mm -hmm. And he, uh, for those that don't know, he brought um, a 39 foot CV from Miami, Florida, across the United States to Westport, Washington. And if, if you can't count them, there's four, <laughs> four, 400 horsepower Mercury Verados on the back 1600 of the boat. 1,600 horsepower. horsepower on this thing, right? 39 foot. And let me tell you, the faster you go, the better your fuel mileage gets. Oh. It's, it's crazy. People gets are like, more boat up out of the yeah, water. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Less drag. Right. And, yeah. and so people are like, oh, my gosh, I wouldn't want that fuel bill. And it's like, yeah, you know, fuel's fuel. You're going to burn it. But Well, we talked know, about that, it, though. Last year is Carolina. Right. 34-footer. made Yeah, got 0.7 miles per gallon. 14 feet across the beam. Yeah. That, that was a wide, heavy, yeah, heavy 24, boat. 24,000-pound boat. Two, two cap motors running diesel. Right. And fuel mileage is comparable. But right now, With diesel, diesel so high. is a dollar plus right. more per gallon. Right. Right? Yeah. So we were making, you know, when we were um, kind of, you know, so 
you know, first we're going into a head seat, right, to get yeah. up there. We were making about 0.7 miles per gallon. Um, and then, you know, as we got closer, it started to flatten out. Mm-hmm. And as we were kind of running around and spot hopping up there and everywhere else we ran, we were getting 0.9. I consider that pretty good for a 39-foot boat. You know, cruising, cruising 38 to 42 knots. <laughs> that's that's, crazy. that's most, most people's top speed, right? Right. So hell of a ride. And, and the thing that, that the other thing that people don't realize about this ride is it is a dry ride. Which you wouldn't you wouldn't realize you go oh it's a center council mm-hmm. that'll never do well here mm-hmm. you know you've kind of heard it and it's got a hell of a flare on that bow yeah and he's got spray shields on the side so anything that does come over the top's getting hit knocked down by the spray shields so gotcha. I think people are really going to enjoy um, going out with Jason on his and charter. the ride looked comfortable everybody's stacked out in beanbag yeah. chairs throughout the deck oh, right yeah. there just like comfy cozy not bumping around not getting knocked around right. Right. Look good. Yeah. So let's talk about the fishing. Yeah, so, let's talk about the fishing. Um, so we went up there and, you know, it was, I always, I, I hate it when the first drift you do, you're looking at your GPS speed and it's less than a mile an hour, mm. you know, just dead slow. I mean, we got there, we were drifting, it was like 0.5. So mm. you're, you know, number one, you're not covering any ground. Yeah. And number two, um, you don't have any kind of presentation on your lure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is when you get that current going, it starts bawling and collecting the bait, right? You don't have that current. It's just kind of willy nilly. You know, it's kind of all over the place, especially when it comes to, to halibut and lingcod. Mm-hmm. And so we made, um, I don't know, we probably made four drifts on that spot. We picked up two fish. And then I said, you guys, we, we got to move. It's time to go. We got to go to um, we got to go to some spots where there's probably some more current um, and just get out of here. So we spot hopped, um, found a spot where we had a nice like one to one point two mile per hour drift. And boom, we're hooking fish, both Lincoln and halibut left and right. Go figure. Um, and, you know, and of course, like, you know, the thing that I tell people is I always like to focus on spots that are, you know, not not well hit. Maybe they're a little bit slower. There's not as many fish there, um, but there's bigger models there and away from the crowds. And and for halibut, I love to fish rocky, hard hard pan bottom areas um, because mm. that's where you're going to find some larger model fish. Yeah, um, away from the crowd. And and we did this. We did just that. We got some got some nicer fish, and um, we're able to limit on halibut and link cod. And uh, yeah, there's one of them right there. You know, and, and so Jerry's a pro at fishing bait. Um, we were running, of course, our, our favorite triploids um, with the, uh, I put, I took one bottle of um, fire brine and then another two bottles of the uh, Potsky's halibut nectar, halibut rockfish oh, nectar, yeah. Yeah. put it all together. Nice. Um, and what I did is I slit those trout. So I basically went in from just behind the dorsal fin mm-hmm. and like I was filleting the meat off of the bone yeah. on both sides. So now you've got these two flaps, and then the other thing is when you put them into the brine, um, you're you're collecting all of that brine. So it's a little bit different from just putting those hash marks in the side of the bait. You open it up even more. You open it up, sure. and you get more action out of the bait because oh, now you've got yeah, flaps stuff moving. on either okay. side of the tail, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, man, those, those worked really well. So you were using trout. We were using trout. Did you have other bait that trout. you used as well? And do you think like that? <clears throat> well, nobody's ever invited me kokanee fishing, so I didn't have any <laughs> Wait a minute, time out. Otherwise, I would have used kokanee. Yeah, um, which is a great option. We all agree. Yeah. Um, as long as they're like 11 inches and smaller. I mean, we didn't... No, no, no. You can use 20 inches. 
I mean, you, there's no, there's really no limit to what you can well, use. Well, there isn't, but yeah, boy, I don't know. I mean, That's what salmon fishing is for, you know? Not for halibut bait. That's for eating. <laughs> Kokanee bait, mm. right? No? Well, Kokanee are okay. salmon, Tommy. I would have loved, I tell you what, we, um, we had two fish on that were bigger than the ones that we kept, mm. and um, it was sad. We fought them for a while, and both of them came unbuttoned. Um, yeah, if you would have, if you would have had some coconut. Now you're water. rigging. They they would have taken it in yeah, more. Uh, yeah. You're rigging these these uh, trout and or kokanee if you can get them. Uh, yeah, maybe we can fix that for you. Uh, J hooks or circle hooks or J hooks. It's okay. it's um, um, gamakatsu big river hooks, yeah. twelve aught. Yeah, um, I do a pretty generous spread on them, but mm-hmm. if you can't you can't go too far on the the two hook spread. Right. Otherwise, that trail hook ends up on top of the line. Makes sense. Um, you know what I like about that big river hook is that low anchor point. Like yeah. when you get good penetration through a jawbone or something like that, it just has, with it being rounded, you know, that hook works back and forth. But the way those hooks are designed, I look at that as an anchor point. Like if you can get yep. that in, it's just such a good, it's, it's solid got, hookup. I mean, it's it's sharp. It's got a good barb on it. It's got a good gap, mm-hmm. good throat. It's mm-hmm. deep, mm-hmm. you know. So once you once you hook up on so those. So you're surprised those came off. Yeah, sure. yeah, mm-hmm. I am. Um, you know, but it just, it happens. You never know. Sometimes what these halibut will do is they're, they're competitive, right? Yeah. And so you'll get them, um, they'll go and they'll lay on the bait, and then you'll hook them in the side. So you're fighting this halibut hook to its side. Right. And then, you know, sometimes those will tear out. So you never really know how you've got this fish hooked. Would you uh, would, would you prefer to fish trout as bait all day over, say, black label or horse herring? Um, it depends on the trout. It, it Holdovers, no. I want, like, the shiniest trout that I can get. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, it, and it depends. You know, a lot of the larger herring, the horse herring, it's really hard to find good quality horse mm-hmm. herring. And so it's kind of a toss-up, right? I got to sure. look at the trout. Yeah. And, you know, luckily we had some pretty shiny triploids. Yeah. The shinier, the better, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention, you saw the picture of the release mechanism. That's a sequelizer. Yeah. And so that's how, you know, um, people often ask, you know, well, how are you descending these yellow eye? If you mm-hmm. run into a yellow eye and you have to send it back, um, it's basically I'm using one of my Scotty downriggers. I have a 15 pound downrigger ball. Um, sequelizers for what they accomplish, you know, they're uh, you set them by the depth, the depth on the sequelizer. That's a 300 foot max um, release sequelizer, and uh, it's related to pressure. As soon as that pressure is incurred on that device. It opens up the hooks and releases that yellow eye, and that yellow eye swims away and lives again. Yep. Um, but people, you know, they, they ask, well, like, well, can't you just get a, um, I think it's called like a Sheldon's? And you can, but when you run into a large yellow eye like this, mm-hmm. you need a, a heavy weight. Like 10 pounds is, is barely doing it. You know, it's, it's other, a slow you need descent. something uh, heavy enough to pull these big fish right. down. That's right. You got to yeah. remember, they got a large bladder. That's right. That is out. Yep. And those fish are very buoyant, especially, I mean, it's like they're attached to an airbag, right? So they, they're going to just flow. I have literally, and what really grinds my gears is you're out there fishing, and there's a, there's a boat out there that keeps getting yellow eye, and pretty soon you got five or six of them floating. Right. Out there on the ocean, out around that one boat, and you're like, seriously? Yep. I mean, <clears throat> first of all, by law, you're required to carry a descending device Correct. on your yep. vessel now 
on these ocean fisheries where you're going to encounter these fish and they must be live released. And so I think that point is valid. Yeah. You know, your 15 pound downrigger ball gets yeah. it done all day long. And, and luckily we didn't see any of that. We didn't see, you oh, know, yeah. we, we saw very few. I think I saw one. Yeah. Um, so people are getting it. They're getting with the program. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we're going to keep our fishery and our opportunity open yeah. is by releasing these rockfish. So it's, um, it's important that we do that. So when you're rigging up these uh, trout now with the with the side flaps, are you also putting some type of big um, UV hoochie skirt over the top I of am. them, right? Yeah, Bearing I the, Kind of like you showed in the Bay Lab there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, glow pearl white or UV of some fashion. Yeah, okay. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. And that's um, going over the top. <clears throat> Also, uh, with the minimal opportunity that we've had secondary to weather windows here, I mean, I would foresee an extension of uh, additional days coming as we get into June. For possibly, sure. Possibly, for sure. A absolutely. You know? We're okay. going to see more days, um, both both for Westport and for uh, Nia Bay La Push, I'm pretty certain. Yeah. Um, they, they're just... People have not been able to get out, so right. um, there's going to be quota left over. Uh, I think somebody's asking name of the charter. It's Blue Water Sports Fishing. Paci yeah, Pacific, Pacific Blue Water. Yeah, Pacific Blue Water Sport Fishing. Uh, Captain Jason Takayoshi, um, and talked with Jason last night. He does have days open, so give him a call. Mm -hmm. um, hell of a ride. Uh, good fisherman. Good bait. Oh, he'll get you on the fish. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you're also looking for tuna opportunity, if we get tuna opportunity, I yep. mean, make sure you keep uh, him in your uh, the old Rolodex as well. Because yeah. talk about a comfortable ride to get out on the tuna grass. Yeah. Well, and the, the thing that I love, I love open boats. So I love, uh -huh. you know, a lot of deck space, walk arounds and things like that. And, and a center council, it doesn't get any better when you're on mm -hmm. a, you know, a live bait stop for tuna and you can work 360 degrees around the boat. That's a good I point. Mean, that's what it's about. So. Yeah, back deck space on boats and over and unders with tuna mm -hmm. running all over the place. That gets a little uh, little crazy at times. It does. This full walk around would be just a pleasure to fish off of for yeah. sure. So, well, nicely done. I mean, you guys got into some fish, um, you know, in a, in a narrow window of opportunity. And then the weather went right back to where it is. And it did. It's, uh, it's tough to find these days. And so get uh, get your dates on the calendar. Schedule them with Jason. You will not be disappointed. And um, hopefully the weather holds and we can start looking forward to, you know, more days out there on, on the water, Tommy, for sure. So, all right, with that, we are uh, going to bounce out here for a quick break. We come back. Our, our buddy, our long-lost brother, the general himself, Bill Herzog. Herzog. He's been on the east side chasing Springers. And he's all geeked out about it, Tommy. He's like talking to a little kid that, you know, tomorrow's Christmas and he yeah. can't wait, right? <laughs> So Bill's fishing guts under a bobber, as he likes to remind everybody, and he's finding uh, some moderate success over there. The Yakima is open. They had anticipated 4,000 springers coming back. I think they have bumped up to upwards of 8,000 fish, potentially. That sounds fantastic, but the Yakima is not like a little Lewis or, you know, North Fork Lewis or Kalama or, you know, a small, a small tributary like that. The Yakima is a pretty good-sized river. We have some conditions as of late that are making it a bit challenging, but we're going to get into all that with Bill. He's going to tell you exactly how and why, and if you have potential to get some of those spring chinook on the east side. We come back from this break right here at Fish Hunt Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard.
With literally thousands of Arima boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our client's security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Hey, welcome back in studio here to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin, and our long-lost brother from another mother that I've uh, been hanging around for a number of years, <laughs> to say the least. My buddy Bill Herzog is on the phone, and as I had mentioned, Bill's actually, ladies and gentlemen, fishing guts under a bobber, as he likes to put it back in the day. The Yakima yeah. is open for Spring Chinook and retention. And uh, Bill, the section that you are fishing uh, opened up on the 17th, and it's open through June 30th. How long of a uh -huh. drive? How long of a drive is that for you? My engine doesn't even get warm. It is exactly six point one miles oh, from my that's house. Terrible! Those commutes will kill you. <laughs> and the traffic, I can't imagine over there, right? The traffic. the traffic, and, and you know what? It, it cost me thirty-eight cents for gas today to go fishing. <laughs> and if, if this continues, I'm just going to have to quit. Thirty-eight cents a day—that's phenomenal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, what is the deal there? You got uh, two adult chinook retention. And you can also use your two-pole endorsement. Um, I, I can't hear you, Tommy. I can barely hear you. There we go. How's Your that? Oh, much there better. Okay, say that again. There you go. Hey, so, you know, you've got a two-adult schnook retention there. Um, uh -huh. You've also got a, uh, you know, a two-pole endorsement that you could use there. How are you fishing these guys? Do you, you fishing from a boat? Are you fishing from a bank? Are you utilize, utilizing the two-pole endorsement? How's that going? Well, there's no boat fishing allowed up above. I'm fishing right below Rosa Dam. Okay. Around uh, the railroad bridge down around the corner. Those are amazing pieces of water. And, oh, by the way, that piece of water up there is never open for trout fishing. I have seen the biggest rainbow trout I've seen in the Hackamaw River jumping around and flying around in there. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I digress. I mean, the water's got about two feet of visibility. It is up and it is smoking high. So the few edges that are up there, everybody's in them, but that also pushes the fish right in, right in those edges. And, uh, I, I saw six fish caught today Oh, and uh, I saw six. Okay. And, um, as I'm walking out, these guys are all coming on you know, fishing. I'm just, no, I got a native da 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 da. And guys are still looking, looking. Fishing's not red hot by any means, but if you put your time in, 
it looks like you get bit. And that's just what I've been trying to, what I've been doing. And uh, so I'm walking out and there's a guy who recognizes me. Right. And I go, Hey, how's it going? How did I do? He says, yeah. Um, I go, how'd you guys do today? We got four. Oh, I'm like, hmm? four. I go, okay, stop. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's question and answer time right. with uncle Willie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I get to talking to the guy and he, he's got his beautiful, he looks like your eggs, Dwayne. He's mm-hmm. got your eggs and everything. And, and the, but he says, i he's got these little nickel sized tuna balls in mesh. Oh yeah. That, that he's used, we uses mm-hmm. with the cluster of eggs. Right. This is a double hook. This is a double hook. And he said, this is why I've been getting them on. He goes, I get the eggs are good, but the tuna ball seals the deal. I go, oh. yeah. so, he gave, so he gave me a handful of them on the way out. So tomorrow, guess what I'm doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, put that tuna <laughs> ball in there. You know, it's interesting yeah, but- you, you mentioned that. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was doing a lot more writing of blogs and whatnot for Potskis, I wrote, you know, we're all familiar with the Cowlitz cocktail, right? Uh, you talked yeah, yeah. to, mm-hmm. talk to Bob and Egg Fisherman for years. The Cowlitz cocktail would be the, you know, the egg, the Columbia eggs and the sand shrimp coupled yeah. together seemed to be a go-to for many people. Well, I wrote a blog, a little play on words. I called it the, um, the Nesquali hors d'oeuvre. And it was exactly <laughs> that. It was, uh, it was a clump of eggs and, uh, believe it or not, canned tuna in oil uh-huh. in, in, right. uh, in a little spawn mesh. Um, yep. And I would put those on there together. And I wanted to write the article, and I forget the title of it, something to be hors d'oeuvre. And uh, Schaefer at Potsky's was like, no, nah, we can't put the word hors d'oeuvre on there. Most people can't pronounce it, let alone know what it says when they read it. So I had to change <laughs> the title. But uh, that is one that, uh, that's been around for a while. I'm glad to see even up yeah, there yeah. on the Yakima, man, that's happening. So, yeah. hey, prior to this season and us getting out there on the Kalama and other, other rivers around, when's the, uh, when's the last time you actually were fishing eggs under a bobber well uh who we let's uh could be on the salt duck that would be about eight years ago for springers okay, yeah and uh that's probably the last time and then with you was the next time i did it and okay i just don't i just don't have that many opportunities no, that's you know the to, thing. to go to go yes. do that you yeah. know? so and it's uh, i really enjoy it and it's you know <clears throat> It, I used a graduated shot. I'm fishing an ounce and a half under a, under a pretty big float, mm. and I have graduated shot going down. And so I so I got my bait hanging straight down, and so the eggs slightly tilt downstream a little ways. I'll kind of hold my bobber back just for a just for a nanosecond to get it a slight tilt of river, so I know those eggs are mm. coming down first, and then I'll let it go, you know, and then I'll let it go. So I'm getting that perfect presentation where the eggs aren't behind your bobber dragging. They're out in front and they come down to get it first. And that's, uh, that's the only tip that, uh, I forget who told me that, but I, I, I it's one thing that I do. Uh, I try to do and, uh, the fish don't seem to care. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, it is, it is it's something that uh, a guy showed me once upon a time. I don't know who it was. Gentleman was on the salt deck, and uh, I thank him, wherever he might have been. Mm. But uh, what's going on up here, the problem we're having here, Jane, is, is the well, water is rising 1,000 CFS every two days. Mm. And that is a ton of water, man. There's over 5,000 CFS coming down the Yakima right now. It is a royally, <laughs> you know what? It is. Yeah. A, I see you. Yeah, you almost had to use the dump button there for a second. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Came close. 
I've been off the air for a while. Yes, you know, I'm, in Yakima. Yeah. I'm living in Yakima. Oh, by the way, I just, I, my, my wife's inside, we're having, I'm eating sushi, right? Remember right. at the, at the sumo. And I'm thinking Yakima sushi is not far from gas station sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably, pretty close. It's probably actually the same. It's one in the same actually, right? And uh, actually mm. it's, it's a pretty good place. It's really yeah. cool. But, uh, that's like, uh, that's like when we're in, that's like when we're in Wyoming, we go to eat and they said, Oh, you should order the fresh oysters. I'm like, we're in Wyoming. Yeah. I know. You're not fooling me. Any. No, you're not. No. So, 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 uh, so that's uh, well, what I can tell you is the bite here. There's no evening bite. There's no morning bite. It's just the fish bite whenever mm. I've been, I've been quizzing people from what I've seen. Uh, <clears throat> the first couple of days I would, I had pretty good fishing. Problem I was having was getting one without a big pork chop sized fin on below its below its tail. Oh, that yeah. was a problem. But now the fish are seen to be all hatchery fish. They're catching now, and I can't land one. Hey, <laughs> it's just a way kind of the way it goes. But um, they're, they're biting all through the day. Uh, I talked to the game warden up here. He comes down twice a day, and he chops the heads off a of fish. He took the head off of mine the other day to see if there's a pit tag in it. Oh. So they've been doing that and taking your information so you'll know where the fish was been, when it was planted, where it came from, and that's kind of a cool deal. I thought that was neat to see. Mm-hmm. Well, Uncle Bill, I got to ask. I mean, it sounds like fishing's pretty good there. I mean, if you, you ran into somebody that had four, it sounds like you've been uh, getting into them. I mean, what – um, it, it, yeah. How how is it? And then like, what's what's your prediction going forward? Is it gonna get is it gonna get better? Like, how long is it gonna last? Well, I've been watching the down at Prosser Dam. There's a worst one down below Union Gap, uh, about oh, ten miles below where I'm fishing. And I've been watching through there, and they had the big the big uh, run of fish, the big air quote run came through last week. They got over four hundred in one day. Came by there. Oh. But there, but there's been between 150, you know, 75, 35, 25, 90, you know, coming through there, and and uh, not many, it seems like, are going through Rosa. Hmm. So um, they're, they're they're piling up because it, it says uh, there's like 18 fish went through there. I can't, I don't know how that's right, but um, there's fish down below. They're rolling. Guys are getting them at one o'clock in the afternoon, clack of dawn, right before dark. Now, huh. uh, you know, just Crazy. whenever. Random. Yeah, yeah, it's because the water has so much color. Yeah, talk it's, about it's that. Very, it's, talk, it's very royal. Talk about the conditions as far as you got raising water, which, I mean, over mm-hmm. here, yeah. obviously, we're accustomed to water on the rise, and it's going to be off-color dirty. It's going to be raging. Yeah, we got to yeah, wait yeah. for water to drop. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like it's going to keep going up. What's yeah. crazy is you're telling me it's going up, and the fish are still biting. So that is kind of yeah. an anomaly. Talk right. about the color. It, talk about the, the flows and okay. how you're finding fish. It was obviously it's like anytime the water is really high in any big water, you always look for the soft edge, mm-hmm, right? And yeah. um, that's how we break, break down, used to break down the Skagit and we used mm-hmm. to break down, we break down the snake in the fall is there's huge pieces of water. But if you break it down into smaller pieces, these nice little edges, you know, I'm, I'm making casts, maybe I'm casting maybe 20 feet. If that far to, to work the water I like to work because it's right, inside, right close yeah. Right, yeah right close to your feet mm-hmm. you know the, the edges aren't very wide now and uh, you just have to uh, just got to play the game but I think I think with the way the water is it's a really condition you got about two feet of visibility it seems like when the sun comes out they bite better Huh. I think I think they can probably see your gear, yeah. your UV or whatever. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But guys have been talking to you when you get them all day long. It's been all day. So actually getting here in the middle of the day when the morning crowd kind of leaves and the fish settle down, 
Uh, the guys that had the four, they got their fish between 11 and 1 o'clock huh. today. Go figure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They, they said they wait for everybody in the morning to get out, and then they go in there and brat, do their mm-hmm. thing and roll. Yeah. So there's a, there's a tip. Kids, anybody right uh, anybody plunking for them? I mean, sometimes just letting that bait sit there, you know, in a in an inside seam, uh, anchored to the uh, bottom, let the fish come to them? Yeah. yeah it, I suppose there are places along the river you could do that. Uh, I even saw a guy in a jet boat when I was coming out here tonight taking out at the where the Natchez meets the Yakima right there by the highway. Mm-hmm. It was a nice takeout, right? I just saw a guy taking a jet boat out. So, um, no, uh, no, one's, no one's plunking that I know of. You can't really plunk up where we fish because it would just get in the way of the of the bank fishermen and you'd sure. not make many you wouldn't make many <laughs> <Yeah>. friends <laughs> yeah. like what are you doing I got a big spinning girl out there and now that's your lead and did you do and we're, right. and we're caught on it again <laughs> uh, caught on it again yeah don't be the plunky guy in the bobber hole that's right so yeah. uh, speaking of techniques though mm-hmm. I gotta know like what is what is a tuna ball? I know I know it's not the gonads from an albacore tuna bill, mm, um, mm-hmm. but what what is a tuna ball? A tuna ball? That's right, tuna ball. It's, it's just it's just like the stuff we put up in our uh, in our baits for trolling for salmon. You take the, the chicken of the sea in oil, yeah, and, ah. they, and they and they make them about the size of a nickel around so mm-hmm. I was a small marble and put them in okay. like ma- in mesh and then they ran you know they're wrapped in uh, with a stretchy thread and the guys just put them they just hang them on the bottom of the hook I asked him how he does he goes he hangs them. he's got a three out or four rod hook and just hangs them right on the bottom he said it doesn't affect the, the bite area at all because the whole tine's exposed you know and then he puts the egg blob on top of it so it looks like it's a little ball of tuna hanging out the bottom with a nice big mm-hmm. red chunk of roe and Mm, looks pretty good. Apparently, it works. Sounds tasty. So, oh, yeah. are, you yeah. know, Dwayne asked you about plunking. Are you doing anything else? Are you trying twitching jigs at all, or any other methods? I suppose you could try to, but you got to have more visibility. Yeah. It's just not enough biz. The bait seems to work. I saw a guy next to me. He came up and asked me. He goes, "I got a, I got a spinner. So I throw a spinner. I go, well, you got a number six? <laughs> Seriously? Five at least. And the guy had, they had threes and fours. And I go, don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to waste your time. time. You're going to be skimming but across I suppose, the surface. I suppose when the sun's out, you get mm. in the right place, maybe where the water's not too turbulent, and you want to throw like a big number five, big number six. Sure. Also, all silver plate blade, you know, with some chartreuse on it. Give mm-hmm. it a shot. No one's throwing lures. I thought about throwing a spoon, and that's not going to happen in that no. water. I don't have enough visibility. Right, it's right. beautiful spoon, beautiful spoon water, but nah, not for that. Not going to yeah. work. Bobber, bobber and eggs, you know, and bring a, bring a, and bring a lot of weight. Yeah, because even though the water, you got to get it down right now, and it's got to hang out there and stay slow, and you got to trot it, you know, slowly in amongst the, the boulders out there. I'm watching the guys; they're fishing really slow. They're mm-hmm. holding their floats back, you know, almost. Almost back bouncing these things to the water. Yeah, yeah. giving the fish and, time to find it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. watched a guy fishing. He is using a big, big slinky, big slinky, like about you know seven eight magnum slinky, mm-hmm. and that's all he had. And he had his float set at like twelve feet. He's fishing like seven feet of water. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he kind of holds it back yep. and just kind of just kind of walks it along out there, you know. Oh. And I, I watched, and he hooked one. Right next to me, he looked just like you. He looked just like the beard. Well, you know, just like, like the beard. <laughs> yeah. well, hey, you know, you know what we call that? We call that uh, what you call bobber dog and her float drifting. We call that float drifting, yeah. right? Dragging yeah. lead. Yeah, yeah. That was going to be my next statement. Is like, well, man, I'd start dragging lead and slowing it down. If you're holding back floats, trying to yeah, make yeah. sure you keep mm-hmm. it in front of them, I'd start I mean, dragging lead if it's not snaggy. 
Yeah, the so. guy's got a, a phone number the size of a tennis shoe, you know, an, 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 an NBA tennis shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so. perfect. Yeah, well, so hey, you, man, you got, a, you got a few more days, a few more uh, weeks or so to go out there and get them, and hopefully yeah. the water remains, uh, you know, doesn't get any worse for you, and you're able to, no. uh, to grab a few more. The quality quality of those fish looks fantastic. I mean, the genetics oh, are yeah, what they are, right? Yeah, yeah, they're not very big. They're 8 to 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they're, and they're all the exact same size, but that's pretty normal in today's, uh, you know, today's king fisheries, unfortunately. That's right. But yeah. that's uh, it's it's. I'm going to go back tomorrow. I'll be out there every morning until until they ate. Perfect, beautiful, <laughs> right on, buddy. Well, hey, always good to check in with you. I'm proud of you Alrighty. for you know getting your hands dirty. It makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I, I, I went, I went and bought some more natural gloves today. That oh, there that. you go. Yeah. All right. right. <laughs> we expect to see the pictures posted on the uh, Bill Herzog social media platforms, and uh, I, I, I will try. All right, buddy. I will try, sir. Thank right, you. Have Stay a good close. evening. Yeah, thank you. Take it easy. Bye bye. Yes, the infamous Bill Herzog, the general himself. Get his hands dirty, Tommy. That's right. Isn't I that great? I can't believe it. It's been eight years since he's fished eggs. Yeah. That's that's I, I didn't, I didn't realize. Him. I didn't mm-hmm. know that about Bill. Yeah. Well he's when opportunity is there, he'll go do it. But you know, he's uh, all about hardware and and of course fly fishing, synonymous with fly fishing and spoons. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just that's just where he's at at this point, right? Yeah. And so but he does enjoy, like most of us, a good quality spring chinook. Yeah, right. And the fact that this run continues to grow and they keep opening up all these extra opportunities. And with mm-hmm. the Yakima, he was actually over here uh, when I had read him the reg that the Yakima was open. His eyes got this big. He was, and then his brain started <laughs> turning. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually going to I'm 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 go it. fish bobber and eggs this there year. Yeah, <laughs> so always good with Uncle Willie, no doubt about it. All right, let's jump out of here for a quick break. Tommy, we come back. It's time to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've had going on. Yeah. Our outing yesterday to go get some of those shrimp with thousands of other persons that dare get out there in the uh, conditions that were in certain areas. I had somebody post up on here. Area 7 was like a glass pond. Just a huh. mirror. Just flat, calm as could be. So uh, not what we had in Area 10. No, definitely you know, not. Um, so... We have a few things to discuss, a little video to watch, and I think you're going to enjoy this stuff. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back about two minutes here, right here, (laughs) Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back in studio here, Dwayne England, Tommy Dolan, and uh, we've had a yeah, about a busy week, my friend. 
Yeah, oh, that's an understatement. You know, last Saturday, obviously, we've already uh, kind of recapped with the Derby and the uh, the Ocean Opportunity, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, getting getting ready for that Derby the last three four days was just a grind. So much for yeah. Sherry and I to do. Got done with the Derby, got back here, invited a bunch of people over, barbecued a bunch of food, and had an afternoon. Cleaned all that up, got rid of everybody, loaded up the truck. I was on the road, dragging yeah. the boat to the east side, and um, got out there to do a little uh, little fishing. Um, with a, with a retired buddy from work and just figured it was time to get over there on that east side and put the new planter boards to work. And weather was uh, on and off. You get these storm cells that blow in there. And um, we had, you know, um, flat calm like you're seeing now. And uh, and we had, you know, you know, times where we had almost white caps out there. and it did, But that lasts for maybe 30 minutes and then it blows through and then you're back to calm fishing. But um mm. Fishing was a little tough. There's probably a reason why there's not a lot of people over there right now. Um, mm-hmm. We managed like 10 or 12, 12 trout and uh, one kokanee. And, uh, you know, not running the planer boards, um, I only had two fish that came on the downriggers. And we were varying our okay. depth. And I was marking fish on my on my Raymarine. I mean, I just, you know, I had fish streaking up coming to look because I'm running, I'm running rudder flashers off my downriggers for extra yeah. tracting with kokanee. You want to have that flash. And there were multiple times those fish are streaking up from, you know, 40, 50 feet down, coming up to 25 mm. feet to look at what I got going on. And I'm using stuff that historically has worked for me. And they just wouldn't commit. It just wouldn't commit. I would have fish, you know, following along, just kind of cruising along. Like I had sockeye have done that up there, Baker Lake. You get a bunch of them right underneath your gear just going along with the boat, you know. And mm. um, every once in a while you get one to go, but... Um, I had talked to my buddy Troy Black over there, you know, and he's like, yeah, just, you know, stick with your same stuff. I had done my progression. So we're fishing, got two guys in the boat, four rods, two downriggers, two side planters, and pinks and oranges. And as the morning progressed, everything transitioned to pink because I was getting nothing happen on anything to do with orange, which mm. is weird because when Matt Messing and I were over there, we were getting everything on orange with Troy. Fishes mm-hmm. orange a ton. And, you know, I was changing out bigger presentation, smaller presentation, changing size and types of Dodgers, running, uh, running double D Dodgers with Max, running sling blades, running some, some uh, other options, running gold. Do you, do you ever cycle the gear? Like you see this so you, on the sonar, you see this fish uh, swim up into your gear and it's following your downrigger, following your, your gear. You ever just, you know, bring the downrigger ball up five, five feet to oh, yeah. entice the bite? Yeah. Does that work for kokanee? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, if you're marking fish, especially if you're below them, yeah. you're, you're going to bring it up. And of course, the setbacks are 140, 150 feet. The nice thing about that is it okay, gives so you time to elevate or descend based on where you're marking fish. Sure. Okay. And I would I would mark fish kind of cruising up and down in between the downrigger ball. I mean, I might have one at mm. 17 and one at 25, yeah. and you got fish swimming between them. So you're like, well. I'm going to leave the the 17 because mm-hmm. they're at about 20 feet. They're going to see that, and they're going to, you know. And we ended up with a couple fish in the downriggers over the course of a day. and um, But everything else came on the side planters, including the kokanee. I was running um, a uh, quarter-ounce lead about eight feet above my Dodger just to give it a little more depth. Can't tell you exactly what the depth is on that. I'm guessing in around 12 to 15 feet. Yeah. The Dodger's going to take it down some. Um, we're 140 feet back. Then we clip into the side planer. I put it out there 100 feet. So you're well away from the boat and way back. And when those fish yeah. are running shallow, this is the purpose for those side planers because you right. get that out away from the boat. Boat pushes fish away. 
thereby that's probably the reason why we had only a couple fish come on on the downrigger down but yeah i'm marking we marked a couple schools of fish that i had to hmm. assume were kokanee right um you know decent numbers of fish down there at 45 feet and i'm going above you know past them at uh, 35 40 feet varying and uh, just hmm. couldn't get those deeper ones to trigger for whatever reason so hmm. look that fishery is not my backyard it's a love-hate relationship for me because i've gone over there on days and just absolutely killed it and other days yeah, right you kind of struggle now right. People might go, well, you got 10 or 12 trout. I mean, that's not exactly struggling. Well, uh, it's all perspective. It's like the trout were all about, you know, 16, 17 inches on the big ones, plus a handful of dinks. Mm -hmm. The kokanee was 15 inches. The trophy kokanee were over there. I can get 15-inch kokanee in my backyard. So right. I want the bigger fish. I want the bigger triploids over there. Um, and we just, we just weren't finding that caliber of fish. Not to say yeah. that it was a complete and utter failure, did you have anybody else on the water that you were in communication with nope. to compare notes? Nope. Was no. it was it pretty dead? I mean, were you one of the only boats out yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, on our yeah. one day, we saw two other boats out there, and okay. they were coming and going. And on another day, we saw one other boat out there. Hmm. And like I said, there's just not that many people fishing. Yeah. The lake is starting to come up about a foot a day or so, so they are raising the water. The fish have dropped a little deeper. Um, I'm just, I was kind of scratching my head. I couldn't get those deeper fish to trigger. For How about water rate. temp? Uh, 55. Very similar to what's going on right here in the backyard. Okay. You know, yeah, 55, pretty conducive to thinking those fish would be on the bite. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm going to go back over there this week again and put in a little time. Richie Herod's going to jump in the boat. We may even go chase some walleye, but it's one of those fisheries, like, you're, it's like any fishery. You just have to go and keep doing it, uh, <coughs> perfect your techniques, take notes, keep track of what's happening, and, uh, you know, constantly, I'm constantly changing stuff, trying to find what right. it is. You go through a progression. Oh, yeah, these... These hoochies, these uh, these pink hoochies, this size with an orange inset, and this mm -hmm. Dodger combination, wow, for whatever reason, and this corn and this scent seem to be what they wanted today, right? Did you, um, did you mark any bait? No, I'm not, no. Okay. Not really marking anything. Based off of, um, you know, targeting areas were based off of wind behavior the day before. Mm -hmm. So wind coming out of the southwest pushes a lot of, uh, the bait and whatnot into, into the, an area into the Swawilla Basin area. So I want to be up on that ledge fishing because I know just historically and listening to old timers that fish that stuff. When you know, pay attention to what your wind's doing the evening before because mm -hmm. in the morning you want to start where that bait and the, that feed's going to be piled up. Right. Sure enough, right. you know, and we had fish splashing rolling around there from right away. I actually went and fished a couple areas that I had never fished before based on some of Troy's intel. Um, went and gave those a go and actually probably had more success in those areas the fish are congregating there for certain reasons and mm -hmm. you know again it's a love-hate thing and it's a trial and error and just keep fishing until you get it dialed i, and, I always wonder if those fish are affected by the moon phase yeah i don't know i mean um things that affect those fish obviously where the feed locates also the rising and fall of that columbia river behind the dam right. so when they're flowing water it draws all the bait down towards, towards the, dam. the base right down yep. towards the dam so they all congregate there and it makes sense you start marking a lot of fish when they're rising and the water's rising a foot a day the fish scatter yeah because the feed is go anywhere scattered, right yeah right so now i'm relying on nature to stack the feed up where i think it's going to be and and that's where we fish. So uh, not a complete, uh, an utter loss. The uh, Man, I tell you, I'm so happy with my planer board system, the retrieval. Yeah, it sounds like they work well. They work fantastic. That was a good good design on that one. So anyway, uh, our day yesterday, mister, um, yeah. once we finally got back together and we had our shrimp opener, I had to, you know, get back home in time. And boy, was I tired <laughs> Tuesday evening <laughs> to get up early Wednesday yesterday and be up there to meet up. Matt Messing said, hey, let's go shrimping, man. And we yep. said, yep, let's do that. 
four-hour window. We had opportunity to get on the water. We meet up with Matt, and he's like, it's going to be blowing, man. It's supposed to be forecast of 17. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we had a great day out there, albeit the weather wasn't uh, exactly ideal. Now, I'm not talking rain or anything. It was actually sunny and cloudy no, and yeah. not bad. But the wind. The wind the wind was pretty stiff. And, I mean, you, you heard it on the radio mm-hmm. um, about capsized people in the water. I think we heard that twice. 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 We had one capsized, one taken on water. The first one had three persons in the water. The second one had one person in the water, two still on board. Coast Guard was busy yesterday. We had a straight kayak mm-hmm. floating down through Area 11 past the Narrows uh, un- unmanned. So it's just, it, it brings me back to kind of my soapbox I got on last week about these windows of opportunity, a narrow window of four hours, and people are going to go. And I had told Matt uh, when we were coming across to pick you up and what we were up against Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning, I said, you know, there's going to be people out here trying to stay close near shore because they want to get their strip opportunity. They're going to be out here in a 12-foot Livingston or some type of... And they do. You know, and they're going to come out and they're going to drop their pots and by God, they're going to get their shrimp. Problem is... We had some of them rollers come through from tankers yesterday. Right, with couple, wind chop with on wind top chop of it. With the wind chop on top of it. Yeah. gets pretty dicey for small vessels to be out there. And Well, and people feel like, you know, they are they are forced by the schedule. Mm-hmm. They've got one Puget Sound day yes. scheduled, right? Yeah. It's four hours. Yes. You, you've pretty much made up your mind that you're going. And then you also say, well, I want my family to go too. So now... You know, you're taking whatever boat you can afford. Sure. With whatever motor you can afford. Yes. You're putting your whole family on that boat, mm-hmm. whatever size it is, 12 foot, 10 foot, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you're loading it with shrimp gear, which is heavy weight. Yep. And then you get out there and it's just not conducive to being on the water. But but WDFW forced you to go because you want to take care. You want to you want to be part of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But that's the only chance that you can go. The four-hour window, one day, because we get one limit this season. And that's why I said, well, then let's make it a retention card system. Exactly. Retention card season. Don't tell me you can't do it. We do it with halibut. Right. One per day, four per season. We do it with sturgeon. uh, One per day, two per season. Certain areas down Oregon, and I had mentioned this last week, we... We get so many Chinook on a particular river or tributary, Mm -hmm. so many per day, one per day, and 15 per season, whatever it is. I don't want to hear that it's an enforcement issue. I didn't see anybody out there at Creel Sampling at any of the, you know, we dropped you off on the, uh, over the Shoal Shoal side, Mm -hmm. and we went back to Brownsville. We didn't talk to anybody. Right. Right. We saw presence on the water, one boat kind of motoring around, just checking, mostly to see that nobody's in before 8 a.m. and people were out by 12. Yep. Uh, I didn't see them boarding anybody. I mean, there's a lot of boats out there. There is. So yeah. if they go into it and they go, well, we have a one-day season, you're telling me we have a one-limit-per-fisher season. Let's give that one-limit opportunity on four or five days. Right. Let me pick my day. Yep. Don't don't pigeonhole me into a four-hour block that is not going to be conducive. If it was the day before, the weather was phenomenal. Flat well, it, it also makes enforcement more manageable for them, too. You have less people on the water yep. on any given day. Right. Right? You're yep. going to spread out the fleet. You're going to spread out the pressure. Um, there's a lot of positives to do that. You're still staying within the confines of the limit of, of one limit. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if we go into the next season and we get, a, we get two days to shrimp, you're telling me it's a two limit per person season. Yep. Give me eight days to go acquire that two limits. Yeah. We do it with crab. We have right. a crab season. Yep. But you're only allowed so many per day. Yeah. So Sad. I really think we can do a better job. It's going to be safer 
families are going to be able to take away more from the experience than having the snot scared out of them, mm-hmm. having close encounters. Right. Uh, we had boats almost running into each other. We had boats running over other people's buoys. Yep. Case in point, yeah, happened to that. us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you watched yeah. our video where Tommy's picking one pot out of the water and he's uncoiling a nylon rope, which we advocate never use, always yeah. use weighted line, but we got a nylon rope starting to wrap around one of our pots, right? right. So there's a lot of reasons to rethink the way we're doing this. And uh, if we have to, we'll take these concepts and ideas to the persons that need to hear it. And, you know, maybe needs to land on the, the shoulders of the commission to truly, mm-hmm. if they're advocates for opportunity and safety, which I don't know they exactly are, but if they are, uh, yeah. I would like to see a change well, in, in, and the, I, in the I gotta, I got to ask about the math, right? Because, you know, we had those shrimp on sonar, okay? Oh, yeah. And I think we have that picture, yeah. um, Jordan, but... You know, it's a cloud of shrimp, right? 20, 20 feet, 30 feet, sometimes more deep of shrimp yeah. on the bottom. The line you're seeing I mean, going up is us pulling the pot. Yeah. The hard pan bottom is the red. That's Correct. the hardest Correct. structure on the bottom, and that's why we get the deep red color. Everything above the red is cloud so it's, of shrimp. It's all shrimp. Yes. And, you know, so, and we rail dumped a lot of our, our last set of the pots. Yes. And so, you know, there is a just a magnificent population of shrimp on the bottom. And so, you know, when you say you can have four hours and you can only keep 80, I just wonder, like, why? I mean, the biomass is tremendous. Yes. I don't get it. Yeah. Where's the math? Where's the science in that? Right. Right. I agree. Okay, moving on. We're going to jump to our next two topics and uh, before we close out the show. So WDFW is proposing upping the lion, mountain lion mm-hmm. tags that they can issue. They're focusing on some of the areas that have been brought to their attention, <laughs> Blue Mountains uh, in particular, because of the amount of lion kill and the, the lack of survivability on some of our um, our uh, young elk calves. The predation on these elk calves in the Blue Mountains herd is just like uh, completely out of control. It, it's it's unreal. And so, you know, they are aware, WFW is aware that this is an issue. And so what they did is they went and they GPS collared mm-hmm. 125 calves. Okay. You know how many made it through the winter? Nine. Nine. Nine out survived. of 125, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's 7%. Mm-hmm. You know how many of the 125 were killed by cats, by mountain lions? Mm. 77. Though That's the stat. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we have a cat problem? Yeah. You remember uh, Bo Olson was here, and he mm-hmm. broke it down on what a, uh, a male feeding mountain lion will consume in a given time frame. and. Yep. Um, they're very territorial, and they do stake out their area, but uh, WDFW would like you to believe that there's only a certain amount of mountain lions in that region. He's here to tell you differently. He's got them on camera. Yep. He can prove, and he's taking the bios out in the, the forest to show them. Um, the fact that they're having the conversation, to me, is uh, interesting. Now, look, the hunters would be able to tag two of the big cats in certain uh, population management uh, units, 9, 10, and 11. Uh, that's also the, the, the Blue Mountains elk herd, which is classified as at risk. Mm-hmm. Well, of course it is at risk because the assessment uh, is dropped from the management objective, which was 5,500 animals, right? right? Uh, the decline began following the tough winter of 2016-17. There, mm-hmm. there was an influx downward trend that hasn't uh, done anything but spiraled downward since 2016-17. Mm-hmm. They want to attribute that first year to a hard winter. Yeah, they know now the latter part of this. It's conducive or it's conclusive that, oh, hey, we got a serious mountain lion problem here. Yeah, right. 
And and so you know what did they do? They said, well, um, let's reduce the hunting opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's reduce issue the, less tags. Let's issue less tags. Right. So what they did is they reduced the number of cow permits um, available in in that area. Sure. But that had zero impact on the reproduction capability of the herd. So even though they did this, um, you know, when they did their aerial survey, they they only found thirty six hundred, right, with an objective as you just said of fifty five hundred, and only. 17 calves per 100 cows. That's right, it, right? right? And so, um, and then when you look at the numbers, 77, right, out of the 125 were due to uh, predation. Um, now, of those 77, I had said 77 earlier were due to cats. Actually, 54 of the 77 were due to cats, were due to cats okay. cougars, etc. The other um, portion of, of that 77 was bears, wolves, uh, coyotes, and even, even bobcats. There's a carrying capacity number of, uh, they need cows to have XYZ number of calves mm -hmm. to begin the upward trend of bringing the population back. And I can't remember what that number is, but 17 is not it. No. In other words, if you no. had, if you had an annual reproductive rate, out of uh, 17 calves out of every 100 cows, and there was no predation, the, the herd would maintain status quo. Mm -hmm. You would have older cows dying of older age and other things. It would just maintain status quo without any predation Correct. interference, right? right? So 17 is not the number. Unfortunately, 17 is the number currently based on what's happening, uh, and so that is a negative gain year in and year out because you do have the impacts of the predation, mm -hmm. which is not going away anytime soon. So they're looking at... Uh, issuing a secondary tag. Now, these tags, uh, the, the authorization to hunt those would be within the normal seasons aligned uh, during regular hunting season and, uh, and, of course, seasons on cats. So now here's where I'm at in this thing. I think it's a great idea. The, the reason we bring this forward is because the commission is looking for public input. Right. Now, I get a little concerned when I hear they're seeking public input because we know historically public input and input from staff, a WDFW, uh, uh, infield biologists. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the spring bear debacle. They're not exactly listening to right. the public input, the public right. outcry, or the information brought forward by those who are in the know, as in the scientists and biologists in the field, bringing this information forward. So, um, okay, they want to listen to public, then by God, hopefully they listen. Yeah, and actually act on it. And actually act on it. What people can do, you can go to www.publicinput.com backslash 2022 Cougar Season CR102. And it's up there on the screen. And I believe that's actually a forward slash publicinput.com forward oh, slash. Oh, sorry, sorry. I said backslash. Yeah, yeah forward slash. Thank you. Forward slash 2022. Yep. Cougar season CR 102. We'll give you a minute to write that down. The, the reason for that is you can simply go online. Uh, submit your information and in that you do want the commission to pay attention, to listen and understand. We do have a tremendous problem with mountain lion predation in the blues. And hey, we're just starting there. There are numerous problematic areas with cats mm -hmm. that are decimating uh, various herds throughout the state. Yep. And, and the cat predation is just one, but it's probably, it outweighs the wolf impact tremendously, mm -hmm. okay, because they're so prevalent in so many parts of the state ever since we removed the opportunity to hunt cats with dogs. And the bear thing is also rearing its ugly head and going to continue to be an issue unless, yep. especially when they get rid of our spring bear hunt. So this is an opportunity for us to once again get in front of the commission. If they take in all this information and do nothing with it, it's going to once again show where they're truly 
at yep. this thing, right? So right. we're hoping they're going to move on that. Uh, conversely, down there in Oregon, we had a commission that uh, about a month ago voted on a 4-3 vote, even though the science supported <laughs> the, uh, the release of summer-run steelhead smolt on the North Umpqua. The science supported it. That it was not impacting the wild fish by any way, shape, or form. The carrying capacity was such that it can continue. The numbers were down from low egg take from previous years anyway due to poor ocean conditions. And so they said, yes, by all means, release the summer steelhead smolt. The commission said, okay, we hear you, uh, but no, we're going to get rid of this program. Right. We're going to shut down this hatchery, Tommy. We're going to get rid of the program. Yeah. Emotional response once again, listening to whoever uh, weigh in on that, right? Which, which is just, which is just nuts, right? I mean, I mean, we're all, obviously we're seeing the same thing in Washington, but so you know the way that um, that hatchery typically operates is they release those smolts around April first, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's some environmental conditions and some other variables that they take into account, but but usually that's the date. Um, you know, luckily ODFW um, staffers kind of saw saw this occurring, right? Saw this vote coming into play. And they, they did an assessment um, of the hatchery fish impact to kind of that wild strain mm-hmm. of those steelhead, right? Yep. And, of course, um, you know, you read through the assessment, and when you boil it all down, it says explicitly there's no evidence uh-huh. that those hatchery summer steelhead, that program, negatively impact any wild stock whatsoever, yep. nor does it affect the recovery of any of the wild stock. Yeah. And so I think that's when the judge stepped in and said, hey, commission, go sit on the bench. We're, we're doing this. <laughs> it was some very factual, very well-presented information. I mean, it's to the point where these staffers would go, I'll bet my next paycheck on it. I yeah. mean, they were that mm-hmm. affirm in, in their presentation. And the tribes jumped on board and said, this is wrong. This is a disservice. We have small businesses that will be put out of business. We have mm-hmm. fishing derbies that are going to not no longer be able to, uh, um, you know, happen. There's a lot of impact here mm-hmm. for no justifiable reason. The judge took that all in, listened to the tribes, listened to the persons that weighed in, and overruled, which I'm excited about the fact that a judge took the time to truly take this all in, Yeah, took a look at, put a lens on what the commission's doing. Right. Realized there's no justification for it, overruled the commission, and yep. said, no, not happening. Yep, release Release the smolt. So North Unqua has gotten and is continuing to get their summer and steelhead release, which is fantastic. And we need more of that. When, yeah. when the commissions tend to go down this road that we are traveling currently mm-hmm. with the makeup of these commissions, and we get things shut down, we get doors slammed in our face with no justification, WDFW staff up here in Washington gets told, well, thank you for your input, but no. Um, we need public outcry. We need tribes to right. get on board, and we need this to land in the courts and for judges to rule yep. in a timely manner because um, this stuff ain't going away anytime soon. No, it's They're going to come back after it. So, all right, buddy, well done. Uh, hey, want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Appreciate all the... Uh, all the uh, interaction here on the messaging. If we didn't get to you, we apologize. If you have questions for us throughout the week, please post them up on our messenger, either uh, Facebook or over on YouTube. Email us at www.fishhuntnw.com. We're always available via email for sure. want to thank everybody for tuning in. Appreciate your guys' insight. Uh, and get out this week, man. Great opportunity. I'm going to go bag me a couple turkeys. Go get them, man. And then I'm going to go do a little fish on the east side. And uh, after all that's said and done, we will be back next week right here 
6 p.m. live Thursday. Don't miss it. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.